And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to Four to Six with A and B, your high state podcast brought to you by the Athletic. This is Bill Landers, joined by Ari Wasserman. I have a bit of podcast news off of the top. We have trademarked the letters A and B. Anyone who uses it has to pay us each five dollars every time they use it. I've been uh, making NFT since the '90s, so I'm ready to do this. <laughs> anyway, Ohio State trademarked the word "the," which is the, probably the thing Ohio State fans care most about, right? But didn't they? Didn't they? I thought that they did this like five years ago. I think they tried to a while ago, but people mock them when they tried, and then people are mocking them today now that they've succeeded. But listen, if you can trademark like the most common word in the English language, shout out to you. So you can't. So I cannot make a T-shirt that just says the word "the" on it with a Nike logo. Well, the Nike logo, but like if I wanted to like create a scarlet and gray shirt that just said the word "the" on it and sell it on my on my WordPress page, that means I can't do that anymore. Oh, because yeah. Nike did make shirts that just said "the" on it before. I've seen that before. Yeah, I don't think you can do that now. But it's not the, it's the. It's right. the. The. These the. eyes. <laughs> Jimmy's brother, the singer. I flew all the way out from Scottsdale, Arizona to hear this shit. <laughs> You'll sing. You're going to sing. <laughs> all right, that's enough grab ass. Brian Hartline, pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this even entertaining for people anymore? Like, I don't even know. It's just like. The uh, like, and I keep updating the thing because it's just so fascinating. Since the 2019 class, and obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know that Brandon Innes, Noah Rogers, and who's the third one? Carnell Tate. Carnell Tate. All, all 
committed to Ohio State in back-to-back-to-back days, kind of like the draft picks uh, in the NFL draft with Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, and who's the other one? Oh, yeah, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. I can't even keep track of who these people are anymore. Um, 14 now, since the 2019 class, top 100 receivers have either committed to or signed with Ohio State. Uh, the rest of the Big Ten has two combined. One was Rakim Jarrett. And Penn State got one. I can't remember which one it was, though. It might have been Jahan Dotson. I can't One of them. Caden Saunders. Caden Saunders, that's right, uh, is the other one. So, you know, and I was thinking about this, Bill. Has there been another position group on any team ever in the history of recruiting that has signed 12 top 100 players at that single position group in a three-year period? Well, no. I mean, I would imagine not. I mean, there's only a couple, I guess, you could even do that at, but line yeah like offensive defensive both, line both offensive both line, lines well texas a&m like almost did it all in like one class with the defensive line right they had seven top 100 defensive linemen in one class yeah that's so i guess that counts probably as close as you get and i don't know what they did in the classes before that maybe they're actually like near that number two um if they signed seven in one class but regardless it is ridiculous but you do typically sign more defensive linemen than receivers too yeah, that's the other thing with like this run of receivers. It's like they keep taking four. <laughs> it's like how many do you actually need? They take took four last year. They took four this year. Um, I can't remember what they took in twenty one. Three. They only take one. Oh, only one top one hundred one in twenty one. Only one top one hundred guy in twenty one. But they still, I think they took a couple of that year. Twenty twenty, they took like four. One of them became a tight end. So, yeah, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches at one position. And I think that you could make the case that it's the least important position on the team. Oh, I don't think that's true. What, what is the like if you had to do like your position power rankings, like where would receiver land? So quarterback would be one offense and defensive line would be two and three. Um, then would you put receiver at four? Yeah. Like more so than linebacker or defensive back. I mean, receiver and defensive back, I suppose, go hand in hand. But I would definitely put it above linebacker, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. And and you can you can run them through. But I did send you a text, and you were kind of like, this morning, you're like, oh, yeah, asshole, no shit. But, like, if you could just take the 14 commitments and signees that Ohio State has had at receiver and whittle that list down to three top 100 receivers and then move the other 11 to every other position group on the team, they would have won a national title. Yeah, they definitely come up short at some other positions. Which I think is a discussion worth having in this show, um, for sure. Because we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to talk about these receivers a little more. We're going to talk about some camp stuff. We're going to talk about like how we would like to see this twenty twenty three recruiting class at, at finish off, um, which I think will lead us down that road. But yeah, it's like you you want listen. Brian Hartline's an is an animal. Um, he is probably the best recruiter going right now, at least in terms of an, of an assistant coach. Maybe there's some others you put up against them, but. His resume speaks for itself. Um, and I think it's a very important position, and you got to be able to throw the ball in a dynamic way to win a national title. I think most years, maybe Georgia is the exception to that last year. But you also need balance within your recruiting classes too. So, like, this is great. Um, this this is pumping Ohio State's 2023 recruiting class up to the like spot nationally where we expect it to be. But I think there's, like uh, – an air of like, see, we're we're right where we need to be. We're Ohio State. We've always been Ohio State. And, and again, I think they will Especially be. Especially in my mentions. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think, again, I, I think they will be 
in the end. Like I, I have never really been all that concerned with Ohio State taking a step back recruiting, recruiting wise. Unlike the, my dumbass. Unlike your dumbass, but like this is this is what they do. They get really good quarterbacks. They get really good receivers. They have to get really good players at the other positions to be what they want to be and what you expect them to be. I'm going to say something that's legitimately blasphemous right now, and I want to know what your take is. And this is not disclaimer. And the thing that I can't that I have a really hard time with is that I know like I say what I think. I don't feel like when I talk sometimes that people are understanding the point I'm trying to make. So let me be abundantly clear in saying that I'm not taking a shot at Larry Johnson when I say this. But the reason why Ohio State is signing this many players is, okay, cool. Brian Hartline is really cool, very personable guy. I see why somebody would want to play for him. But they have turned out draft picks at that position at a very high rate, and it is a very desirable thing for somebody in high school to want to try to duplicate, right? Mm -hmm. Larry Johnson has done very similar things in the past with the defensive line. And he has had some major gets, but I've always wondered, like, at a position that you need to win a national championship, because you would put defensive line over over receiver any day of the week, I assume, right? Yep. Why has it worked out one way for the receiver where there's so much talent you can't even keep track of it, and, like, you have the greatest position coach maybe in the history of the game? Would you say he's one of the best position coaches that Ohio State's ever had and one of the best in college football history? Just yeah. based on his resume? He's got godfather status, yeah. It has not translated into the Carnell Tate version of the defensive line, right? No. Uh, I, like, I don't know. Like, am I wrong about that? I mean, like, he's definitely he's definitely had awesome classes. Like, Yeah, like he had Chase Young. Like, I know that he had the but even, brothers. But even, like, his 2020 class was insane. He had a great, yeah. yeah. And, like, last year's, class was, re- this, last year's right? class was really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I guess know. it's, I, I I guess it's not the, quite this, but it's still really good but it's not that he's not a good recruiter I don't want it to be taken that way I don't think that Ohio State is recruiting the sexiness of the position the way that they are at receiver like the fives like the Corey Foreman's of the world Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and you would think and again like someone's going to tweet at me after the show or leave a comment on my story saying you don't think Ohio State recruits defensive line good you're an asshole it's like no I don't think that what I'm saying is is Ohio State seems to be able to pluck the very best and most coveted player at that position, the wide receiver position, at will, repeatedly and often for the past three or four years under Brian Hartline without question. And maybe defensive line is just a more coveted position and a more intensely battled position. I think there are probably fewer of them. It is. It seems to me that Ohio State has had a harder time in the races for the because like if Corey Foreman were a receiver, Corey Foreman would have ended up at Ohio State, right? Like because that's like kind of like the way it works right now with receiver. I'm wondering like if you think that defensive line should be similar to this because every single time I see a five star defensive lineman out there, I think to myself, why the hell would he go anywhere else? If uh, no, I don't really feel that. Well, like you don't. I, well, one because I don't, I don't think what Brian Hartline is doing like should be replicable. Like it is an impossible standard to hold someone to, other than Brian Hartline, I guess, who keeps doing it. But like to say like, oh, you should just get like four of the top twelve players at your position every cycle. That, that's that's insane. Um, and even though I think it's insane, like Larry Johnson has done it or done something similar enough to that that I would kind of disagree with your premise. Like he had yeah, JT yeah. Tui Molowell and Jack Sawyer and Mike Hall. And like Tyler Williams, I guess is a little different. 
in one class. In Kenyatta Jackson, he had Kenyatta Omari, Jackson, Omari yeah. Abor, Hero Canoe, Caden Carey, all in one class. Like, I, I, yeah. it's not exactly the same thing. I understand that, but I think it's like close enough that I think that it I would is disagree. because Ohio State didn't sign a single top fifty na- uh, defensive lineman last year. And like, I'm not saying that Omari the Abor didn't he finish in the sixties? I, I don't know. I don't have the class in front of me. I think he he was out of the top fifty. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll be number nine when you go look at it. But he was a four star prospect. I think. Um, and like a check to me, if you like look back at the at the best edges in the country last year, sixty three, Shamar, yeah. So Shamar Stewart, Gabriel Brownlow, Dindy, Jihad Campbell, um, three of uh, three other uh, guys went to uh, to Georgia. Like it's like those are the guys I'm talking about. Like the the no doubt of the JT two Malohaus, mm-hmm. and he did it two years ago. So maybe it's it's too it's too much of a standard. But like I just feel like if any position was going to be as good as it is like the defensive line one is the most appropriate one for what Ohio State's done that's all I'm saying he got so he ended up with two of the top 20 defensive linemen Kenyatta Jackson was the 15th ranked defensive lineman and Mario Abor was the 16th ranked defensive lineman I, I, I guess I kind of get what you're saying I do think um, I think Larry combats the retirement stuff quite a bit and and maybe it's impacted them a little more uh, like recently or like his classes that seem to come together a little slower and it's happening again in 2023 um i i agree with the general idea of like all the skill position talent is awesome and like i truly mean that it's awesome i think you have to ohio state needs to come closer to doing it more consistently in the trenches on both sides i think to to more so on offense and defense like that that's like i i, yeah, I really yeah. don't want people to come away with me saying that ohio state sucks at defensive line recruiting because that is not my point my only point and i guess if i could sum it up is if ohio state was going to completely and utterly dominate a position group on the football field at any level you would think that it would be larry johnson and the defensive line based on his reputation as a coach based on his his resume of of draft picks from nick bosa to courtney brown and the fact that he's like a very likable, uh, knowledgeable person and in that it's at Ohio State. So it's like I think that Brian Hartline has recruited his position obviously better than, than Larry Johnson has his. And you would think that it would be reversed. And the question would be, why do you think that's the case? Yeah, I suppose it's, if, if you're the if you're the kind of person, and I'm not saying it's wrong to be this way, who's always like you could always be better than what you like. I, I get that. I would say that what Larry Johnson has done in the last two cycles is plenty good enough. If yeah. you if you think it could if you think it could and should be better, that's fine. Um, I don't even know if it should. Both those like classes. If, if I Brian Hartline really didn't exist, we wouldn't be bit, I wouldn't be bitching about Larry Johnson just out of the cuff. It's like I'm the same comparison. It almost feels this might be an insane thing to say, and maybe I'm going to sound like a colossal homer when I say it. Like holding up. Holding up Brian Hartline as the recruiting standard almost feels to me like holding up Alabama as the team standard. It's like sometimes people are unicorns. And it's like if you're some step short of that, that's okay. But isn't Larry Johnson a unicorn? That's the point I'm trying to make. No, I don't think he's – I don't know if he's ever had that kind of outsized reputation as a recruiter. I think he's always been a very good recruiter. He's landed some studs, no doubt. Um, But to do it like year over year over year over year over year – Maybe not necessarily. He's a tremendous developer of defensive line talent. Last year, maybe notwithstanding, because they could have been better last year. But I don't know. I don't know if Larry Johnson. I think Larry Johnson's reputation is more about his development of the position than it is him being like an yeah. aces recruiter all the time. Which is great. I mean, Ohio State's defensive lines have been great. 
the thing that I look at when I see the Ohio State class that they're putting together right now is they're building a team that looks a lot like last year's. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't disagree with that at the moment. It, it, you have to do some projecting, I think, which we're gonna we're gonna try to do. Yeah, we're gonna do that yeah. on, on this show. Um, let's maybe stick a pin in that for just a second, and we'll get back to it. Um, because I want to talk a little bit about Dylan Riola, if that's sure. okay. Yeah, um, go ahead. He he threw at Ohio State's camp on Tuesday, um, and I was I was trying to think like he's he will not be they don't put twenty twenty four guys at the elite eleven right like you won't see him there he will not be there yeah no. he is sometimes they do for exceptions but I don't believe that he is like this is a very like he's he is every, everything you'd want him to be if you said Ohio State got the kid who's going to be the number one quarterback in the class of twenty twenty four and then he showed up and threw in front of your eyes like he. It was really impressive. It was like Quinn Ewers kind of. Remember we talked about like the RPMs on the ball when Quinn Ewers threw it, and like yeah, how, like that's that's what it was like when Dylan Rayola threw the ball, and he is a big ass kid. Yeah, he's huge. He's like every bit of of at least six three. Every bit of I would say two hundred and fifteen pounds, two hundred and twenty pounds. He's built differently than a lot of high school quarterbacks. Um, now he's throwing on air. You know, he's throwing with at a camp. I saw the pictures that you were posting. I was like, is that DJ Uwe Youngle? Uh, yeah, like he's throwing at a camp where, like, not everybody's awesome. Like, I understand that. And it's not real football. But in terms of, like, ability just to spin it, awesome. We've seen a lot of really top-tier quarterbacks come through Ohio State camps over yeah. the past decade. Would you say, like, where would you put him? Because, like, I remember thinking, holy shit, Emory Jones can throw the ball like nothing I've ever seen before when he was throwing there. Yeah, I put him right at the. I put him right at the top, and like actually, like fun, fun, funnily enough, um, or funny enough, I don't know. Funnily enough, funnily enough, funnily enough, funnily funnel cake enough, funnily funnel cake enough. Um, there was a 2025 kid there on Tuesday as well named Colin Hurley, yeah. who Ohio State ended up offering, and I'd also put him right up there. Like he was, he went shot for shot with Dylan Rayola, which is like I wasn't expecting that. They had a very interesting quarterback group there. It was Dylan Rayola. It was Dylan's little brother Dayton, who's a 2026 prospect. It was Colin Hurley. Uh, a Herb Street was there. I don't know what year he is. He's at Cincinnati Xavier. Um, and then there was another quarterback there named Trevor Jackson, who is also from Florida in 2024. He looks like a big time dude as well. And like Pitt is all Pitt's entire coaching staff was there. And Pat Narduzzi was like talking with Trevor Jackson's mom for like two hours. So I think they're very much into that guy. But it was a pretty pretty good quarterback group. One of the better groups I think I've seen at a, at a camp. Um, but Colin Hurley. Is is the real deal? He's he's small, he's like six foot, and Ohio State doesn't or hasn't, I guess, taken quarterbacks who were quite that short since Ryan Day has been here. But in terms of ability to throw the ball, I'd put him up there against anyone that Ohio State has brought into the program thus far, and anyone who's coming into the program down the line. It's just that like Dylan Rayola does it while also being six foot four and two hundred and twenty pounds, and having like two more years to grow into that frame before he comes to college. What did Dayton look like to you? Because I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and it reminds me of like a number four cleanup hitter, Bill Landis. Yeah, I, yeah. He's like he's he's just he hasn't hit his growth spurt yet. I think is the thing, and I, I it made me wonder what Dylan looked like when he was that age. Um, but yeah, his little brother, his he's got a really good arm, and he's a lefty. Um, but he doesn't. Yeah, he looks like he's a like a young offensive lineman, which would make sense considering their dad was an awesome offensive lineman. Um, but he could also be like six three this time next summer because of the way kids grow, and then we'll think differently of him. But he could definitely throw it. Um, but Colin Hurley was awesome. Dylan Riola, very good. Um, it was cool to get like eyeballs on him 
this kind of early in his process and like see him throw and like see Ryan day and Corey Dennis interact with him. Um, really like, you know, it's, he's the number one kid in the class. So of course he has it, but it's just like to, to see the kind of like the upside that he has with your own two eyes, I think is always, um, worthwhile, especially when he's still so young and has another two years of high school left. Yeah. Yeah. And in order to, I saw some of the videos you were posting, but it looked like he had pretty good accuracy too. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a, I, I do think that there is a certain level of like comfort too, of like being in that environment. Like when you're a, a kid that lives far away, um, who doesn't get to go to Ohio state every weekend, you know, to go into the, a camp setting and, and hang out with the coaches. And, and it's like not intense, right? Like they're, they're competing, but it's not like the super intense environment where you can, you know, shoot the shit with guys like Carnell Tate and really get a feeling for like what it's going to be like to go there. I think is a really instrumental piece of holding on to commitments too, which is kind of something that's not very much talked about when it comes to these camps. It's like he's already committed, he's working out, but it's like it's not just the workout part of it. It's like the it's the familial sense that these guys get just being in that building and, and being with the coaches that are going to coach them that help them like remember why they committed there in the first place when Alabama wants them to come visit in twelve months. Yeah, I think that's the. It, it, there's two things. It's like it's interacting with the coaches that think to yourself, like, is this someone who I actually want to coach me? And it's not so much like what they do and how they develop guys. It's like, do, do your temperaments match up? Like, do, right. do, do your like, is there are there good vibes there? And then obviously with your teammates too. Um, and I'm trying to think. I don't know. Like none of the current quarterbacks, I didn't. I didn't see them around. It's not to say that like Dylan didn't hang out with them inside the building because we don't get to see that stuff. But like CJ Stroud's a slacker. Is that what you're saying? He was driving around somewhere and there's two hundred thousand dollar G wagon. Um, which probably is a good thing for Dylan Rayola to know anyway. Um, yeah, we're CJ. He's just uh, filling up his gas tank with uh, golden credit card, <laughs> spitting out NIL money into his $200,000 G-Wagon. Yeah, but he also got to throw, like Dylan was throwing to Carnell Tate, who was like, we didn't know he was going to be there, um, and he kind of showed up unexpectedly. Um, he didn't work out, but he like put on gloves and caught passes sort of like stationary while guys were throwing. But even that, I think, is like... Dylan getting to spend time with someone like Carnell Tate, like Stacy Gage was there, who could very well be in, in Dylan's class at Ohio State, twenty twenty four, probably five star running back. Like just getting to spend time with those guys, even outside of a workout setting, I think is really impactful when you're trying to to keep a kid's recruitment for what's going to be two two years for Ohio State. Not that there's any fear of them not doing it, but I just think it helps. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Is Ohio State going to get Jeremiah Smith or am I just, is that like happening? Yeah, like... uh... They have this class in 2023, and then like 2024 might be like Jeremiah Smith, uh, Tysir Denmark from the Roman Catholic High School for Boys in Philadelphia, um, like JoJo Trader, who might be a defensive back, but if he's not, he'll be like a top 100 receiver. Um, yeah, so they're just going to like do this again next year. <laughs> it's insane. 
It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Again, I mean, the power of what happened in the NFL draft is, is it's like, there's oh, yeah. no other, yeah. that, that's like so real. A hundred percent. Yeah. And like, yeah. That, that's what's, that's kind of the most, I mean, it's kind of the craziest thing about all this is like, it's kind of just starting like, the, like this was the first draft where Ohio state really had that. And yeah. like, we're talking like they've had 14 top 100 receivers. Like the bulk of those guys are just now going to start playing. It's like Jackson Smith the Jigba is going to be a first-round pick next year, right? Yeah, then it's like Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin and like Jaden Ballard, Emeka Ibuka, you know, Julian yeah. Fleming. Like all the like those those that their time is just starting. So like this is, yeah, that, that this is like the be this this feels like the culmination of something I think in a lot of ways, but actually it's just like kind of like just the beginning. <laughs> well, it's the thing that is the hardest thing to do. And you can go and you can, you know, celebrate any individual commitment because Ohio State's had five-star commitments at every single position on the field, you know, in the last five years. But the feat of making your program the most desirable place to go for anybody who is a five-star player in your position has been achieved. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like the, the recruiting nirvana for any assistant coach. Like Brian Hartline has made Ohio State the place to go and I think to a certain extent, you can make the case that Ryan Day has made the quarterback position the Absolute, same way. Absolutely, yeah. So, like, if you have the Ohio State football program, which, funny enough, 15 years ago, everybody hated their offense, is now, like, the greatest possible place that anybody who can throw a ball or catch a ball goes to is a place that Ohio State can really be uh, a very competitive national championship caliber team uh, for years and years and years to come. And it's like, even while they were in the Urban Meyer era, there was a sense of why can't they get Deshaun Watson? Remember that? Yeah. Or why, like, like they're winning a national championship, but have they had the it guy at quarterback? And that didn't really even happen until after Urban left. So it's very curious to see, because, like, what's this year? Th- what year is Ryan Day going into now? Four? This is his fourth season. So he's going into year four now of the Ryan Day era. And it's like Ohio State headed into year four of the Ryan Day era is the premier destination for an elite-level quarterback and receiver talent, which has never been the case in the history of the program. So, like, you know, obviously now you want to catch up at all the other positions and create an Alabama roster, but, hell, those are the two of the hardest places to do that at. So if, if they've done that, you know, go add another five-star running back into a mix like Trey Henderson, and holy shit, man, you got yourself a little bit of a ball game here. So yeah. I think this is a good time, and I think it's important because I'd like to talk about it. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but my theory about Ohio State football recruiting and how everybody is throwing it back in my face. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a yes or no question? Sure. In your mind, did I ever project that Ohio State, like did I predict they will finish outside of the top 10 this year? Uh, I don't think you ever said it that explicitly, but I, I got the vibe from you that you felt like they might. Outside of the top 10. Yeah, because when you throw things around like this is a Penn State class, that's how I take it. Well, like right now it was. When I said this is a Penn State class, I meant like what I'm looking at right now is a Penn State class. So like if I, if I and I'm not saying that, that you know, people are going to like accuse me of, of backtracking. If you want to say that I was wrong, I was wrong. But A, I don't know that I am yet. And B... It was just a theory of why they could struggle this year. If Ohio State turns out to sign the number one overall class in the country and has 12 top 100 players and four top 100 receivers, 
I'll sit here on this podcast in six months from now and say, you know what, guys? I'm an asshole. Ohio State's indestructible. Mm-hmm. This theory was stupid. But I do think that the, the thought of this theory was based in solid analytical reason. You know, like, I don't think I was being like some crazy doomist for the sake of being a doomist. So, you know, in three days, Ohio State went from having, what, one top 100 player to four now? So, or five Five, now? five now. Five now? So, like, hey, they're halfway to the point that I wasn't sure they were going to get to. And, like, honestly speaking, as we sit here on June 22nd, is Ohio State going to sign four or five more top 100 players? Probably. Like, at the end of the road, Ohio State's probably going to get the class that you anticipated they would get the whole time. And maybe I was too soon to having that discussion. But I do think part of the fun of this podcast is exploring those types of things. So, like, I don't know how you view it, but, like, I don't feel like I'm, like, I have to apologize or, like, say, hey, I'm, I'm an idiot. Like, I, I think that the easiest thing in the entire world to do is to say, yeah, Ohio State will be fine. And you know what? Yeah. They are fine. Okay. So most of like, the time, yeah, most it? of the time, most of the time you're probably right <laughs> when you say, oh, Ohio State will be fine. Yeah. Um, but like, so like in your opinion, should I just not talk about those types of things anymore? Like if I'm just going to get it thrown in my face? Like, no. Like what? Like I think, you think that made for interesting podcasting or like, should I just be like, ah, no, I think it, later. I think it's really interesting conversation. I guess the one, the one thing I would say about it is that I think maybe when you, when, when you, when you talk about theories like that i think you you do it in a way that like has some kind of a, a, like immediacy to it because i would agree with the premise that like as the as these new coaches pop up in different places where ohio state has had a ton of success before that could change the long-term recruiting plan or success or whatever for ohio state could being the, the operative word there because i'm not convinced that it will but I think it could, and I think that's worth having a discussion about. I just never thought that it was going to be immediate. Like, I think like Miami and USC and Florida and Texas and Oklahoma all need to start winning some ball games and putting out first round draft picks before that even becomes a consideration in my mind. Because Ohio State wins games and puts out first round draft picks, and I think that matters. And also, it seems like they're doing what they need to do with the NIL stuff too. So like. That does I, you could very well be proven right in the long run. But the reason why I made it immediate was because I thought, here's why I thought. New coaches that are really good recruiters in new areas, um, Ohio being weak in the same year, and Ohio State having half of its staff turned over, coming off of a season mm-hmm. where they didn't make the playoff. Like, those four things aren't going to be true all at the same time moving forward. Like, I've never thought that Ohio State's long-term success as a recruiting outfit was going to be bad. Like, I thought if they were ever going to take a step back in a single class, all the things were lining up for that to happen this year. Mm-hmm. And if they avoid that, looking at Ohio, the, the state of Ohio next year, you've got seven top 200 players in Ohio next year. Like, they don't have the same type of circumstances awaiting them in future years as it all was this year. So that's why, like, my prediction was immediate and immediate only. It never was intended to be, well, Ohio State's going to be in big trouble for 10 years to come. It was, this is a really big bag of mixed obstacles that they're facing in the immediate future that might turn out to have some consequences for them. So Mm -hmm. if Brian Hartline is going to come out and just sign four top 100 receivers, two of which are five-star prospects and make everybody feel okay, then you know what? Hey, buddy, I was wrong. But like I thought that it was a very like well-reasoned, analysis that I think is important to discuss when we're discussing Ohio State recruiting because you know what hey 
if they're going to sign a top three class every year and there's going to be 10 top 100 players in it every single year, then you know what? The show could be over now. But like we, we, have, we have shit to talk about. So, you know, was I wrong? It looks like I was. My, my theory didn't come to fruition, but I don't know that I ever th- sat here and like, and like said, you know what? They are not going to sign a good class this year. So like yeah. if, if people took it that way, then it's probably my fault because you know how I get fired up and I say things that, mm-hmm. you know, are very, very blunt and to the point. I never in my in my discussion of this thought that I was making a steadfast prediction that Ohio State was going to be outside of the top 10. Like there's no like a Penn State class is still seven. So like, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know. You, you know me better than the people listening know me. But like I, I never wanted it to be like Ohio State's fucked. You know what I mean? Like that's not <laughs> that's not the way I viewed it. And I still don't view it. So now I think there is a bigger question to be had and we'll get to in this show. Maybe this is a nice segue of. Ohio State needs to catch up at other positions here, bud, or they're just going to be signing another flashy pass-first team that can't beat Michigan. So, like, you know, that's another discussion, I guess, you know, to have um, because, like, we've always talked about the, con- the the concentration of talent within a certain position group, and it's been very concentrated in the composite rankings and the receiver and the quarterback room. So, like, do you have any thoughts of just, like, you know, where this could be headed? Like, are they going to be getting – you know, players at other positions of great need? Um, are they going to be addressing issues with the same type of high-caliber talent? Because if you sign a class with five top 100 receivers and a really good quarterback, and then the rest of your class is, you know, 200 to 800, you know, defensive backs and shit, then that's also a problem, too. So I'm very curious, like, what your what your mindset is on this. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with the premise that you need – the other positions need to – it doesn't have to be exactly what receiver is, but they need to be, you know – Close to that, I think. This is, it's not, you know, you're not playing seven on seven. You need linemen, you need linebackers, um, you need linemen on both sides of the ball. So there's still, there's still a lot of work to be done. I, I will say, like, part of the reason I go to these camps, like, I like to watch, I like to watch the players, you know, work out, especially guys who are going to come to Ohio State for sure. But it's also a good time to just, like, try to, like, pick up on vibes and stuff, like, talk to different people, kind of see, like, how they're feeling about some of these high profile recruitments. And I suppose it's June, and Ohio State's really good at official visits, so they don't have any reason to not feel good as long as they can get kids on campus. But it seems like Ohio State feels like it's in a pretty good spot with a couple of key guys who, like in my opinion, are sort of like make-or-break players for the class, like as great as it is that they're getting these receivers. Like they got to get some more dudes on defense. they got to get a couple more guys on the offensive line. Um, But I kind of – feel pretty good about them doing that right now so uh, the th- so who are those make or break guys to you that they, you feel like they're in a good position with caleb downs has been like very very much at the top of the list for a long time they go into georgia and get caleb downs dude that's like holy shit it is a that's a holy shit commitment right yep i think that's yeah. a that's a that's a more significant commitment than any of the three receivers i just got yeah and i don't I, I don't make crystal crystal ball predictions like i don't i don't want to make it sound like, i don't want to make it sound like caleb downs to ohio state's a done deal um, I just think they're in really good shape. Um, it seems like they're in really good shape. Um, Troy Bowles, who like I had kind of maybe written off a little bit after the coaching changes on the defensive side of the ball. He's coming for an official visit this weekend. It seems like they're in that. Tackett Curtis, they've been in that since Jim Knowles got here. I would think they're going to get him because I don't you know, he visited USC. I don't think he's going to go out West. I think he's going to go somewhere in the big 10. If he's going to go somewhere in the big 10, I think it's going to be Ohio state. Um, 
Justice Haynes, I don't know. I think that's a little different. I, I think that's that's farther from from a thing that's going to happen than some of the other names I've listed. But I think they got a shot there too. Um, Ola- Daniel Aguero was there this weekend, right? Yeah, that one. I think they're probably not going to get. I think he's. I think he's probably going to go to Georgia he's from Massachusetts. So what do you expect? That's right. I think he's probably going to go to Georgia. Like Samson Okanola, I think not, there's nothing there. There's no traction there. Like they're not. Gonna I will get say, in. you know, you know, I think that ever since I left the Ohio State beat there. You know, you're more of the keyed in person when it comes to like the days, ins and outs, obviously, because you're there every day. But I did have an interview with Samson Okanola on the phone. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to ascertain things based on the conversations that you have with kids during interviews, because I was like writing about the pancake thing at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. But I asked him about his recruitment in Ohio State. Like it was like a struggle to get them to get brought up. So like it yeah. doesn't seem to me based on that conversation that they're in a great place with him. I don't think so either, and that's why like they they have Olaus Allen coming this this weekend, um, so he's like top of the board offensive tackle, and and he's a good player. Like if they get him, like that's a really nice win for Justin Fry, like the kind of win. I know he's not a top one hundred, he's not a five star guy, but I think he's a really good player and, and the kind of player that Ohio State needs to get more of. Um, but they've also like they brought in Miles Walker, they brought in Tosin Tosin Babalati, I think is how you say it. Um, so like they're looking at other tackles cause I think they know that they don't have much traction with Samson either. Samson also strikes me as someone who's going to like drag his recruitment out to the very end. So maybe he'll take an official visit to Ohio state in the fall. Like maybe he'll go to the Notre Dame game or, or the Michigan game or something like that. Cause so much changes, man. Yeah. From like, June. There's yeah, still it, got six months. Cause like there's so many, it's like so funny. It's like easy to say, yeah, I thought that Ohio state was in really good positioning with him, but they, they don't really seem to be in it right now. And then like, you know, you kind of forget about them, but think about all the other people who they're not in it with now on the other end that they'll be in it on later. You know, like, because mm-hmm. it's like if they lose out on guys that they were high on later or now, then later on, that there's going to be guys that, that seem to be leaning one direction now that will be leaning in another direction in August and October. So, like, you know, to have the commitments that they do have right now, and, you know, there were some, you know, we were texting about this, but there were some rankings updates. So the rankings updates, I think, did help them a little bit, right? Ty Lockwood fell out of the top 100, but then Dijon Johnson uh, went into it, right? Yeah. And Luke Montgomery made a b- pretty big jump, right? He moved up a little bit. Uh, Bryson Rogers moved up a little bit, and it sounds like he's going to move up even more. I think Bryson Rogers might end up a top 100 guy. So then you're talking about all four receivers in this class being top 100 players. Um, I thought Mark Fletcher would move up. He he dropped a little bit. Um but yeah, like Dijon Johnson was the big one to jump into the top hundred. But I think there's some other guys. I think Malik Hartford can move up, keep can keep moving up. Um, Bryson Rogers can keep moving up. Um, and I, I guess I can say this now, Bill, but this is no longer a Penn State class. It is not a Penn State class. Yeah, it is not a Penn anymore. State class. Unless after the last three days, I suppose they could whiff on every single one of their remaining top targets, and then maybe maybe it become it comes back to that. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but that said, there's still work to do, obviously. So the, what I wanted to talk about was like what a – Mel Kuyper every year for the NFL draft does like his grade A mock draft before the draft happens, obviously. And I wanted to talk about like what our grade A recruiting class would look like. As they try to finish this off, they have 13 commitments. This is going to be a pretty big class, I think. Um, they have not gone over 25 signees, I think, since 2018. And I think they're going to do that this year. 
just based off what they have at the moment and how many needs they still have left and like guys that they couldn't say no to if, if those guys wanted to commit. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty big class. So I think, I think we're still talking about like very much in the, in the realm of double digit spots left in this class, even though they have 13 guys. Um, so with that said, like what, what is your grade a class look like from here on out as they try to, are you you talking about, are you talking about just like, um, how you would break it down by position or names or how do you want to do this? I think because like, yeah, I don't think we have to like name a guy like for every position if we don't want to, I think we can name like a handful of guys that would dramatically alter what we think of this class based on whether or not they get them. What about Mateo, uh, like what's your, I think he's a great example of that. Cause I, my, my vibe on that is that like, as long as Larry Johnson is the defensive line coach next year, they have a great shot to get him. Mateo has come to Ohio State on his own dime too many times um, for me to think that Ohio State doesn't have a great shot at getting him if, as long as Larry Johnson's still here. If Larry Johnson, did you rub shoulders with Big Dave on, at all on Saturday? Or? I did not rub shoulders with Big Dave. Uh, I la- last year when Mateo was here to do a workout with Larry, but I, I think I think he's been here like four times since then, at least three times since then. One was in his, his official visit um, two weeks ago, I think it was. Um, but that's like a, it's like Ohio State, and like I probably Alabama, but and then like Oregon, and USC maybe like Clemson's not in that. I don't, it doesn't seem like I don't think really anybody else in the SEC is in that. So it feels kind of like a four team deal, and he keeps going to Ohio State, and I think they really like Larry Johnson. So as long as Larry's there, I think they can win that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So like here's if like you want me to be like back on the 2021 class train. Yeah. I want Caleb Downs. Okay. I want Mateo. Okay. Because you know what? I think that and I don't know if you are with me on this and maybe it's just me, but like the thing about Arch Manning that I think is awesome isn't so much that he's a really good football player. It's also the symbolic nature of like what getting that commitment means. Do you ever do you think I'm like full of shit when I talk about this sort of thing or like are you with me on that? I think there's something like, I think there's something to the juice of, of that for the sure. The juice. Yeah. Like I think that the Mateo commitment would bring a certain level of juice because he has a recognizable last name. I think that like the JT Toyomolo commitment in addition to him being the awesome. Juice. There's a lot of yes. juice. There's a lot of juice. And he's he's awesome but like also convincing his father who has an opinion about everything on Twitter that Ohio State's the best place for him I think is a symbolic thing that makes Ohio State add an air of credibility that they already have, but that you want to keep seeing because it's a what have you done for me lately business. Yeah. Also keeps the fair enough. 
Yeah, and it also keeps the Bosco pipeline flowing, which isn't a bad right. Thing. And you want to go into California and get somebody in California right in Duncan and Lincoln Riley's face, right? Boom. That's, right. And that's exactly the type of player that Lincoln Riley needs to get. By the way, if I'm going to win a thousand dollars from Andy, <laughs> um, so I'm kind of rooting for him to go to USC. But you know, hey, we can't gamble anymore. So you know, it's a monopoly money now. Uh, <laughs> Troy Bowles. Yeah, that dude is fast as freak. He worked out last year, last summer. He worked out with he Al Washington. He is a freak. I watched his highlight tape last week. Have you watched it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's a he's a safety playing linebacker in a six foot one, two hundred five pound kid's body. Yeah, he's legit. I and like, like also too, it's just like let's get this linebacker shit going. You know, let's get yeah. this flowing a little bit. And like, if you've noticed something, the three players that I've mentioned so far are all defenders. Defenders. Like to me, like for me to get the juices going. I'm ignoring, like, I think you need a few more offensive linemen. And, like, maybe Olaus will be one of them because his name is a five-star name for an offensive lineman. I think. But, like, I, I am, like, all in on the stacking the defense with elite-level talent. Does it's it, like, after last year, like, there's no question in my mind that Ohio State's going to be very good on offense for the years to come. They need to be badass on defense. And it's just like, well, you need a, you need a, uh, a five-star quarterback and a, and a receiver and a dynamic passing game to win a national championship. Well, Georgia was an exception. Why was Georgia the exception? Because they fucking killed people on defense. Yeah. And it's like Ohio State's entire identity as a football program is killing people on defense. Like, where's A.J. Hawk? Just, like, come in here and just knock someone's freaking head off. Right? So I agree Troy Bowles, yeah. Troy Bowles mm-hmm. is on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't hate Justice Haynes being in there because I think that there is a need – for running back, even though they have Fletcher, I think that like a top fifty running back would be a nice little get. Because are they going to be in a position where they might really need one in next year's class? So why not do it now? I think, yeah. Oh, I think I think Stacy Gage is the guy they want in twenty twenty four, and okay. I think probably the guy they're going to get in twenty twenty four. But what do you think about adding another top fifty running back in this class? Um, I would be great. I don't. I don't view that luxury, not need. Well, I hate to call someone like Justice Haynes a luxury because he's really good, but um, I mean, it would be a luxury commitment. It's not a need. If it's- I think, I think if they ended up with only Mark Fletcher in this class, I would be perfectly okay with it. Okay, so fuck me then. Um, Tackus, Tackett Curtis mm-hmm. drop down into Louisiana, add another really, really good linebacker, top one hundred guy. Yep, that'd be good. Um, who am I forgetting here? Christian Gray is going to Notre Dame, right? So that's probably not going to happen. He is visiting this weekend, but my yeah, I think I think Notre Dame is probably a safe bet there. Yeah, I mean, but you know, going into St. Louis and doing that, you know, that would be a good, a good thing. Um, who am I? I think they need another lockdown corner, and I don't know who that is, but I would want to. I want to top 100 potential lockdown corner i don't even know if that's left on their board though if christian gray is going elsewhere yeah um, i think who am i who am i forgetting about i think you're um i think you've hit on all the big ones you've hit on all Kai the and lee yeah like k and lee is is not a top 100 guy but he's a top 200 guy at corner calvin simpson top hunt, 150 i can yeah take. calvin simpson hunt i think is is a real guy at corner i know you've used talk with him I don't know what your opinions are on him, but he's down in, in your neck of the woods in Waxahachie. He just he just visited here, Texas Tech commit. Um, yeah, I went to his high school a few weeks ago and wrote a big story about him. Run, like he's fast as shit. He's thick as shit in person yeah. too. I think I think if Ohio State got him, he'd be like a nickel. Um, 
my understanding is that Ohio State knocked it out of the park with him. It's like his whole thing is been committed to Texas Tech for a long time. Texas Tech um, was the first to offer him mm-hmm. and has shown him consistent love uh, in the process, has encouraged him to go elsewhere and everything that he does. I think he's visiting Texas Tech this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so like now he's like kind of like in this weird limbo of do I want to go play at the school that is like the flashiest, nicest, everything? Or do I want to stay loyal in Texas with the team that discovered me and has shown me true love from the beginning? And I think it's a very fascinating story to follow. I personally, you know me, I would go to the flashier place. Um, but he, like, honestly, dude, if you're in the same room, as it looks like he's been in a college. You saw him, right? Did you see him this weekend? I did not. He was here for an official. He did not get in camp. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if he, like, walked through the, the building at all. But he is thick. And, and like, I think that the thing about him is, is that, like, Texas Tech's whole thing is, we're going to offer guys who just have physical attributes. If he can dunk a basketball, can run a sub 100, what's the sub 11? Sub 11. Uh, he runs, it's like, it's like athleticism, dunk a basketball, size, if he has to be a certain height, over six foot, I think, and can run fast, then we will teach him how to play football. Like, he illustrates all those traits, and like, that's exactly what Ohio State does, right? Like, isn't that like their whole thing? Like, take the athlete. And a lot of times, too, that they. They end up taking the guys who are, are not only athletic but know how to play the game, and that's why they're five-star prospects. But this guy is still a developing prospect who, like, is rising up the ranks a little bit and might be a top 100 player by the time this is all said and done. So, like, anytime you look at someone's offer list, and let's say he's, a, he's like, trying to work out an Alabama visit. He went to Oregon. He's been to Florida. Like, I mean, this is a legit, legit player. So Yeah. Six, six foot, 185, really long, and his PR in the 100 meters is 10.67, which is blazing fast. That's, like uh, – Jamison Williams is like a 10-5 guy, I think, in the 100. Paris Campbell was like a 10-5 guy in the 100. So if you're 10-6, so you're, for his size, you're, yeah. you're scooting if you're a 10-6. Anything under 11 seconds is, is moving really well. And honestly, anything like 11-5 is moving really well. Um, I, I think I would do the 100 meters in like 32 seconds. Um, maybe if, maybe I'm being too generous. But I, I wondered with him, um, like he officially visited this weekend – this past weekend and if he wanted to commit on the spot I found myself wondering if they would let him like not because he's not good enough because I think he is good enough and I would want him but I found myself wondering like how many defensive backs are they actually going to take in this class because they have Malik Hartford Cedric Hawkins they have Dejon Johnson Um, they're almost certainly going to get Jermaine Matthews when he commits on July 1st this quarterback from Winton Woods who is a dog and I like I love that kid Um, I think he's gonna be really good even though his ranking might suggest otherwise so that's four defensive backs, and it's like they've been the favorite for Kay and Lee for a long time. That's five defensive backs. Um, Caleb Downs, you'd never, you never, know, of course, you take him. That's six defensive backs. Jaden Bonsu, who just officially visited Ohio State and then canceled his official visit to Texas, um, that's gets you to what am I at six or seven, seven, and then it's like you take Calvin Simpson Hunt. You want, you're gonna have eight defensive backs in this class. Um, I'd do I, it. I would do it too, which but which I think speaks to a larger overall thing here because let's say let's say they get all eight of those guys which i think is certainly possible i also think it's possible that they could get three linebackers in this class which troy bowles tacka curtis and arvel reese from glenville who we don't talk about talk a lot. dirty to me man you just you just you just we're done now if that happens but they're like we're talking it, it feels like and i guess this isn't surprising based on how they played last year but it seems to me like this these new defensive coaches showed up and said like this ain't it, man. We gotta we gotta revamp this thing in a major way. And if they're gonna take, isn't that what they're doing? Yeah, which is like if they end up taking 
what was that? What's eight plus three? Eleven. Uh, Eleven players on the back seven of the defense. That is, uh, it's what they need to do. I think it's what they need to do. Um, my neck muscles hurt from waving my head so much. Yeah. So, but I also think like I, that's like that's like ideal. Maybe they don't get quite all three of those linebackers. Maybe they get two. Even of if, the, you, if you do it like nine or eight of them. Yeah. If you total. get if you get two of the three and seven of the eight defensive backs. I'd have a hard time not giving that an A because when I look on the offense, like I think they'd like to take another running back, even if they don't get Justice Haynes. Maybe they circle back, like with um, Ironton's got a pretty intriguing running back who's committed to Wisconsin right now. His name is uh, Jacquez Keys, and he was at Ohio State seven on seven last week. He didn't participate, but Ironton's team was there, and that kid is built like a brick shit house, like a running back. He looks like Master Teague. He's built like Master Teague. Um, so maybe they circle back with someone like that, like him, if they feel like they need a second uh, running back in the in their class, like receiver. They're good. They're doing the two tight end dance again. I don't particularly care. Ty, I think Ty Lockwood is going to be a good tight end here, and I don't I don't know why they feel like they needed to do the two tight end dance, but they're doing it. I think they probably end up take, taking one. Um, they need more tackle bodies, like and ah, like, yawn for sure. No, no yawn. There's no yawning there. But like no, nothing. I mean, like three star dude from from Lipsick. <laughs> like, yeah, no, but that's not that's, not that's not really <laughs> what I mean. Yeah, I think I mean no, something. I yeah. But even like Miles Walker, who I think is still a three star prospect, um, his tape's really good. I, I, maybe you he plays in Connecticut, so there's probably some questions there about level of competition. But he's he looks like he's like six 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 seven. He's really long, um, and moves incredibly well. Like I would I would like him. Even though it's not Samson Oklahoma, but I still think they need a tackle. But but really, what my point is like nothing on the offensive side feels all that pressing to me. They need a, probably a quarterback too, um, which is like kind of weird. To like throw. I think that if you in. could toss in Novasad. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Novasad or Brock, Brock Len, who have both officially visited. Who? What's your take on those two? Uh, I don't. I don't know this for a fact that it's first come, first serve, but it feels like that. It Just, does because the second offer was like first come first serve. Yeah, that's what that means. It I think. felt it felt like a little bit of pressure maybe on Austin to like, hey, like you're not the only guy we're looking at. Um, Do but, you care if I write about that at the Elite Eleven? No, next week? I think you should. Yeah, I think you should talk with both those guys, and maybe before then someone will commit. It seems like Austin. Austin got back from his official visit to Ohio State. Uh, went to Baylor, and then I think it's like going to try to figure out what he wants to do. And then Brocklin is currently uncommitted. Um, my opinion, if I were him, like I had to maybe let that play out a little bit more and see what else, what other opportunities might come about for him because there are some other big time programs that don't have quarterbacks in this cycle that aren't as loaded at the position as Ohio State is. So we'll see, but yeah, you should definitely write about those guys. If they're both throwing on the same field and they're both kind of like in a first come first serve basis, I think that's interesting. Yeah, and they seem like good kids. I think they'd be up to talk about it too. I've never, I've only like exchanged messages with Brock, but I've talked with Austin, and they both seem like good kids. Yeah, um, but I, what I was getting at is like. There are there are needs on offense for sure that you'd like to see them fill with some of like one or two or three remaining spots on this class, but they, they need to make splashes on the defensive side. Like if they don't make another splash on offense, I think that's that's mostly okay. Um, but they need to make a few on defense, which I think is like where yes. you and I are. We're trying to figure out like what's 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 the version of this class like that cannonball receiver, cannonball receiver, cannonball receivers. Like can we get a cannonball at linebacker? Linebacker you know, like cannonball would be great. Yeah, yeah, like cannonballs. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a good podcast. I think. I yeah. 
I have uh, do you have time? We have, we got two we had two Apple five star questions that I want right, to get to ahead. before we run out of time. Uh, and then also I want to go on a little rant about how alkaline water is bullshit and it's just like regular water, but they charge you more. Sure thing. If we can do that. Okay. Too. Um, couple a uh, couple Apple. Someone by the way. There were there were two new five star reviews with questions that were I'll have to answer in a minute. But there was a, another new review that was a three star review that said that I had Calling a bad me an asshole. No 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 no. Okay. It was a. It, was, it said I had a bad podcasting voice. That's bullshit. And that's it a, really that person needs to get our ears checked. It really cut me deep because I feel like that's like the only thing I have going for me. No, people love you way more. <laughs> Go read the reviews. Everyone's like, oh, I'm here for Bill. Ari's an asshole. It's like okay. It's like want me to just resign from the podcast. You can go talk to somebody else to see how it goes. You know what I mean? Ari overpronounces every single word he utters. I'm done. And every show ends with a discussion of restaurants most of us will never visit. Too self-congratulatory for my taste. You think well, talking about biscuits is self-congratulatory? I will, every, every single podcast is masturbatory in its nature. So if you don't like that, you should stop listening to the podcast. That's a good word, masturbatory. I know. It's a really good word. I really enjoy using it. I wish I could use it more, but, you know. I mean, you should throw it in your next story. Like the key. <laughs> Listen, bud, I know that like I am out, I'm kind of brash and, you know, sometimes I get really catty, carried away. Sorry, I saw Hattie B's and I missed, but like, I think it's a good show. I don't know. You don't have to like me, I guess, but I, I do my best to like, I feel like I'm the person that like pulls the, the rope down a little bit on people, like the balloons going into the air and I pull it back down. It's like, hey guys, like, let's just, let's just calm down a little bit. And like in the world of Ohio State media. And I'm not saying this is you. I'm just saying in the entire globe of media, everything is everything is perfect all the time. And like I'll get on a podcast and say, I think Ohio State is greatly underachieved in their last seven years. And people are like, this guy's an asshole. It's like if you like really think about the things that I, I don't think I'm crazy. I don't think I'm crazy. Just don't hate me. Can you just like leave a nice review about me? Because it hurts my feelings. This person who said they didn't like my voice said they liked you. So. There's well, then you now see. This is what I'm talking about. If he doesn't like your voice and likes me, then this is a whole set of laundry uh, laundry list of issues this guy's got got to work through. <laughs> I will like I'll uh, I will, I like constructive criticism. I like I truly truly honestly I have appreciate friends it. who have said that they listen to Landis to go to sleep because he's so soothing. So yeah. like I've I have literal friends who say I at my wedding didn't one of them come up to you and say I listen to your podcast and you you put me to sleep. Yes. Which, which maybe it was this person like you put you to sleep because I'm so goddamn boring. Maybe that's no, no. He put you to sleep because it's like listening. It's like the massage. It's like getting a massage, but by words. <laughs> anyway, I can't. I can't change my voice, so I apologize to that person. But like, this is how I talk. So, um, sorry, it's not for you. That's fine. Maybe you know what? Maybe your voice is for me. I'm looking at our ratings right now, though, bud. We have 771 ratings, and our average is 4.8. That's a pretty really oh solidly yeah. Yeah, yeah, like we have a really good show, I think here. We have a very supportive audience, which we appreciate. Yeah, we love doing this, guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bill's a very good friend of mine, but we also really, really appreciate the people who listen and continue to support the podcast. It's been a hell of a ride, and, and we're happy it's here. All right, five star questions. First one is from uh, I don't know if it's Cass or Cas zero zero thirty six. Is there any chance the defense gets worse or is the same this year? Everyone seems to be too optimistic, just like the preseason last year. Color me skeptical. I think that's fair. I don't think it's going to be worse. I don't know that it could be worse. If, um, it's hard. It would be hard for it to be worse, but I don't think it's going to be worse. I think. I which think, defense do you think was worse? This one or the eighteen one? Uh, eight. Ooh. Um, don't even talk about stats. Just your eye. What do your eyes say? 
Is, uh, maybe maybe this one because what do you think was harder to watch? Sorry, not to interrupt you, but I, I do it every. I'm sorry, and I no, sorry. Not to interrupt you. It's a hard question to answer. What game would be harder for a fan to watch? And I know that Michigan is a harder team to lose to, but which one do you think was an uglier performance? This last year's Michigan game or the Maryland game from 18? The Maryland game from 18. Like to get to get shredded like the way they got shredded by Maryland and Purdue that year, uh, they were pretty bad. No, I know, but like getting shredded because of like scheme and getting your ass kicked. I think I think getting your ass kicked is worse. Maybe they're I both think getting bad. your ass kicked physically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Both bad. But uh, I I don't I think Jim Knowles is like too good at his job, too organized, too good at making adjustments for this defense to be worse than it was last year. Uh, could it be the same? I guess like if they're not if they're not much better up front, then I guess it could be mostly the same. But I think they're gonna be a little better up front, and I think Jim Knowles is significantly better leading this defense than what they've had the last two years. So I I don't whatsoever think it's gonna get worse. And I think it will be better just to what degree, I'm not sure. I don't think it'll be like a do top you, ten defense. Do you know what it comes down to? It comes down to whether or not anybody pops. Last year, they didn't have a single identifiable playmaker on their defense. Will they, will they have? Yeah. Will the guys poop pop this year? And I don't even know if that's a coaching thing. It's a to little a certain bit, extent. It is, but. yeah, yeah. But I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, I think they're going to have a difference maker or two pop with this defense. Yeah, and it'll be better. And it'll be better because of it. Um, but I understand the prep. Like I get it. Like everyone, Ohio State is bad. Makes a change. Everyone's like, we're fixed. And it's like. Let's pump the brakes a little bit, but I, I do think they're going to be better. Well, don't, because then you'll get a bunch of comments on your Twitter sure. telling you you're an asshole. So just take my take my advice. Uh, and this question from Raider1520. I was having a best player in college football history debate with a pal recently, and my argument for Orlando Pace was simple. No player in college football history was individually better at their job on the field than Orlando Pace was at his. What say you? Brother, I agree. Like, I don't uh, – I'm with you. I don't – Ari, what Ari, what say you? What I mean, like, if you want to, like, relitigate that offensive lineman don't get the glory that they deserve, then sure. Like, yeah. My personal favorite is Lamar Jackson, but I also am a, a slut for uh, <laughs> watching a really, really good <laughs> offensive skill talent. It's a hard, yeah. You know? It's like a really hard. It's a super nuanced conversation, obviously, that we don't have yeah. time to have at the moment. But I think if you said like quickly, who is the best person in college football to do their job better than anyone else did it? I think Orlando Pace is as good of an answer as any. Sebastian Janikowski, that guy was an animal. Cameron Johnston. Cameron Johnston. <laughs> I mean, like, guys who have awards named after them are probably safe bets, like Dave Remington. Um, maybe not Jim Thorpe, because that was 100 years ago. Um, and, yeah, Dave Remington. I mean, Tim Tebow, right? Reggie Bush and Lamar Jackson are the three most commonly picked. Yeah, but you could, like, who's the best college quarterback of all time? And you want to, like, I wouldn't say Tim Tebow. Why? Because he's not. <laughs> he, what, he, might, he wasn't the best pro. He might not have had the best arm, but he was definitely the, one of the most effective, pers- perfect college quarterbacks yeah, 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 he's ever been. For sure. Yeah. He's in the, he's, like what makes somebody better than Tim Tebow? Because they threw a prettier ball. Like was Dan Marino better, a better quarterback at Pitt than Marino or than Tebow was at Florida? The guy won two titles. Yeah. Well, well, like I, what else could you possibly want from somebody than winning every game they played but two? I think that, yeah. You're making a compelling argument. Yeah, I think he's in the conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, no, he's certainly. I'm not. I'm just giving you shit, but it's just like Tim Tebow is like the perfect college quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Threw the ball well enough. Yeah. Like, threw it well enough, won championships, had iconic moments. One, he won a Heisman, right? Am I crazy? Yeah. He won a Heisman, yeah. Uh, And, like, had a cult following. He is is college football. I think that's right. Um, Maybe in terms of, like, pure skill, you wouldn't say that. I think he was a three-time Heisman finalist. That, That sounds right. Yeah. He won it in 07. He was definitely there at least one other time. Yes. Reggie Bush, awesome. But there's like, I mean. He's the only three-time finalist in the history of the Heisman. But I don't even know like to a question like that, like, Archie's the only person who ever won it twice. Would you say Archie? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think you would. But at the same time, you have to, I don't know, give credit where it's due, I suppose. I don't know. But I think Orlando That's Pace right. is a good one. I think Orlando Pace yeah, is no, a good one. Yeah, it certainly belongs in the conversation. Yeah. And also, this stuff is all based on personal preference. So. For sure. Live your life, King. I think if if I were having that conversation, I would go all in with Orlando Pace and tell someone they're trying to beat me. Bill Landis would rather watch a 10-minute Orlando Pace highlight than a 10-minute Reggie Bush highlight. You know, Absolutely. speaking of Ohio State players that belong in that conversation and never will be because of not national appeal, but Ted Ginn Jr. probably should be in that conversation too. Oh, yeah. He never will ever be mentioned in any national debate about it, but he is certainly the most exciting Ohio State football player of all time. Speaking of sub-11, 100 meters. Yeah. Yeah. That man could fly. All right. Okay. You got to get out of here, right? I got to get my daughter. Yeah. Okay. Go get your daughter. Uh, thank you so much for listening to 4 to 6 with A and B. Again, a reminder, we have that trademark, so if you use the letters, you got to pay us money. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. What? Good reviews. Oh, yeah. Leave us some good reviews on Apple. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, say something nice about me, huh? Yeah, Switch say something. Make, 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 Ari, make Ari feel better. Say something nice about him. Uh, big recruiting weekend this weekend, and then I think I got a, I got an Athlon magazine sitting here next to me that I'm ready to go through. I yeah, Mitch sent me one too. It's almost time to start talking ball. It's getting to July. So thank you yeah. for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah.